Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, my name is Denise, and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Agnigo Eagle Fourth Quarter Results 2020 conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star to the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you, Mr. Sean Boyd, you may begin your conference. Thank you, operator, and uh, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our fourth quarter and uh, 2020 full year our results conference call. Uh, before we get started with the slides, just want to remind everybody that this presentation does include uh, forward-looking uh, statements, and we have that material uh, in the slide deck. Um, just to start off, um, uh, in terms of how we've close the year and how we're positioned uh, for moving forward over the next several years. We had a record quarter in terms of production, which drove uh, record cash flow. Uh, but more importantly, we posted our best ever safety performance. So although we're pushing uh, more volume than ever, uh, and we have more employees than ever, uh, we're operating uh, more safely than we've ever done in history. So a big thank you to our employees. It's a testament to their uh, focus and the fact that they show up to work every day looking to make a contribution and caring about uh, their work environment and uh, the people they work closely with. Um, as a result of that uh, performance on the operating side, the business in the full year 2020 generated operating cash flow of $1.2 billion. So that continues to improve our financial position, good liquidity, uh, declared our quarterly dividend of $0.35 cents, uh, per share, also got an additional uh, credit rating agency to rate us as investment grade. We've got Moody's um, uh, to do that recently. So it just shows you the strong financial position, which uh, continues to strengthen as we grow our production over the next several years. We expect to grow output off of the 2020 amount by 24% as we move through uh, 2024, and that's supported by uh, record reserve position. So uh, lots of records as we close uh, 2020. Um, the reserve growth is supported by exploration results. So uh, this is really not just a story about production growth, but also being able to uh, improve the quality of our asset base, uh, growing uh, deposits at our existing mines as we move forward. As a result of that, uh, we've increased our exploration budget by over 40% to $160 million. So very much still a focus on exploration, and we'll talk about how that fits into the strategy uh, in a minute. It's a key part of the story. Uh, the strategy is uh, going to remain the same. It's consistent. It's really to grow production per share by, by focusing on the geological potential of our asset base, by optimizing uh, our existing mines, as we said, through exploration, and then building out our project pipeline. Uh, we can see visibility 
at La Ronde at Goldex in terms of additional conversion of resource into reserves, which will extend those lives of those assets, as well as bringing new projects uh, into the uh, production base of the company with the announcement of Amarook Underground and Canadian Malarctic Underground. Uh, a big part of the strategy is to keep the business low risk, to manage political risk, stay in those jurisdictions that we know well, but also to continue our leadership and excellence in ESG, uh, which we continue to do. We're double-A uh, rating at MSCI. Corporate Knights just ranked us number 73 in the world, not just in mining, but of all companies in ESG. So we continue to be recognized for our leadership in ESG. Just going to the highlights for the quarter, as we said, first time in our 60-plus year history, we produced over 500,000 ounces in the quarter. That put us uh, over the top end of the guidance range in 2020 at 1.736 um, million ounces. As we said, um, our reserves grew to a record level at 24.1 million ounces. We'll break that down uh, in a minute. Um, that's backed up by an increase in exploration budgets, as we said, and that exploration is really focused on uh, places like Canadian Malarctic, uh, where the combined budget with the partnership is about $30 million. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, big budgets uh, at La Ronde, where we're extending uh, drifts in four different areas to open up that whole felsic rock package as we move to the west and also the east. Um, so a big year for exploration. And as we said, our board yesterday approved the go-ahead for Odyssey and Amaroop underground projects. We'll talk about that uh, in a minute. So steadily growing production um, in 2021. Uh, costs will be lower uh, than in 2020 as we grow our output. So as we said, we're expecting production growth over the next four years up 24%. Um, in 2021, we should be up over 300,000 ounces from 2020, with our unit cost down about uh, 6%. Um, and as we move forward, we're looking for slightly higher costs we've uh, outlined in our press release. Uh, that's largely driven, almost primarily driven, uh, by higher costs at our Amarook uh, deposit. Uh, we continue to get very good cost performance at a number of our mines, uh, particularly in the Abitibi, and we'll talk about that. So it's really the high cost at Amarook that have tended to skew uh, the overall average uh, a bit higher. Uh, capital expenditures, uh, we're forecasting about $800 million, uh, in 2021 as we approved uh, two new projects. Uh, we're still going to generate significant net free cash flow with that number. And as we look forward on the project pipeline, uh, we're not in a hurry. We're going to we're going to uh, stage them. We're going to spread them out, and we're going to keep our capex in line with where it's been over the last couple of years as we move forward. Uh, we talked about our gold our reserves and mineral resources. Um, with the exception of Hammond Reef, all of those reserves were done at 1250. Hammond Reef was done at 1350. As we said, it increased 12%. We had over a million ounces added at several of our uh, current producing assets with the balance coming uh, from Hammond Reef. Uh, what that number uh, and what these reserves and resources do not include is uh, the reserves and resources that are hosted at the recently acquired Hope Day project. I'll talk about that uh, in a minute. So we also had uh, maintain a strong resource base, um, indicated, measured, indicated 15 million ounces inferred. 
23 million ounces. Um, so a strong reserve and resource base that, that supports our ability to continue to grow our output. In terms of the near-term opportunities, we have several. Uh, Kitsila uh, has had a, um, a good year. They produced record amounts of gold. They continue to ramp up uh, their uh, annual throughput. Uh, last year, I think it averaged 1.85 million tons a year, going to 2 million tons uh, per year. The uh, mill expansion was completed slightly ahead of schedule in Q4. Um, so they continue to move that opportunity forward. And they're also studying, uh, based on exploration success, as they drill uh, the deposit as it plunges uh, to the north, they're looking to um, potentially increase uh, annual throughput from the 2 million uh, tons per year amount up 20 to 25% from that amount. So that study will take place over the next uh, two to three years just to optimize, to continue to optimize the growing size of that ore body. Meliadine phase two uh, remains on track. Uh, in January, we're about 4,600 tons today, so we'll be gradually increasing that over the next few years to 6,000 tons a day. Uh, we talked about the Amarook Underground Project uh, being approved for construction. The objective is essentially just to mine uh, higher grade underground portions of that deposit in conjunction with the open pits. First gold production we're expecting in 2022 is uh, we begin to access ore from the underground ramp system. Uh, the average mining rate over the five year period in the underground components about 2,000 tons a day. Overall, we expect to be mining about 3 million tons at an average rate of about five and a half. Uh, grams per ton. That adds just from the underground about 100,000 ounces a year to the Amarook production. There are years where when we combine the underground, the open pit, Amarook will become Agnico Eagle's largest single producer of gold. Um, so it's a high quality asset that'll generate significant cash flow as we go forward. Um, we'll produce those amounts because uh, when we add the open pit ore with the underground ore, uh, we'll have a capacity in our plant to handle about 12,000 uh, tons a day. So the capital cost of that underground, about 140 million construction, uh, almost 40 million in sustaining. At 1550, it's got an after tax rate of return of 28%. Odyssey, I'll talk about uh, that now. Um, we've continued to have uh, drilling success and exploration success there as we've expected to have. Uh, because we've had a very active drill program going there for the last uh, two to three uh, years. At East Goldie, we saw over 130% increase in the resource to 6.4 million ounces. There's 11 drills currently uh, targeting the East Goldie zone uh, to continue to expand um, that deposit uh, and also to tighten up the drill spacing, particularly in the high-grade core of the East Goldie zone. Property-wide, in 2001, uh, Agnico and Yamana will spend about $30 million on drilling. That's a significant budget. 24 million of that's largely on East Goldie. Six million will be to drill uh, regional targets because it's interesting with the discovery of East Goldie, it's essentially opened up an entirely new mining horizon uh, with tremendous potential given what we're seeing at East Goldie. So that's also a focus of our drill program in 2021. 
The underground ramp is in, process, in progress. That's important because as that continues down, it makes it easier to drill. It just gives us a better uh, drill setup uh, to drill those underground targets, particularly um, in Odyssey, East Millardic, and also at uh, East Goldie. As far as the project, uh, the project um, Odyssey, Canadian Millardic, the underground project, it's really a, a very large, low-risk, high-quality opportunity. Uh, we anticipated it becoming the largest underground uh, gold mine in Canada based on annual production. Uh, when it reaches full production, we expect it to be producing about 550,000 ounces per year. That's based on uh, daily throughput of about 19,000 uh, tons. Um, we're able to run it at that high rate because there's essentially four underground sources of ore. So that was the real, the, the, the game changer, let's say, on this whole project was really the discovery of East Goldby because that just opened up a much bigger, higher grade, additional sources of, source of ore, which when you combine it with Odyssey North and South and the old East Malartic area, you get volume. And it's the volume that's really made this work in terms of the size underground. Cash costs uh, at full production expected to be around 650 uh, dollars per ounce. So very long mine life uh, out to about 2040 and that's only based on a plan that currently incorporates about 7 million ounces in uh, uh, the analysis. Uh, we know when we add up everything, I guess we're not supposed to add up everything, but when we add up everything, reserve and resource, it's more than double uh, what we currently have um, in the economic plan and the mine plan going forward. And these deposits are still wide open, as we know them, and the entire horizon is wide open. So we, we believe this is going to be a big part of both Humana and Igniko's business for, for many, many years. At 1550, it's got an after-tax rate of return of 17 to 18%. Uh, there's still uh, room, we feel, uh, to optimize uh, the study, optimize the plan, um, and we're going to continue to work hard on doing that. CapEx, 100% CapEx is $1.3 billion. Uh, but from the period from 2021 to 2028, which is really the construction phase, uh, during this period, uh, we would expect to produce over 900,000 ounces at a cash cost of about $800. So. Um, it's almost self-funding in a way when you think about it. Um, that 1.3 billion includes an 1,800 meter deep uh, production shaft with a uh, capacity of approximately 20,000 uh, tons per day. Um, as we said, we'll phase in production over several years beginning in 2023, late in 2023 from the ramp uh, with the shaft. Uh, we expect to commission the shaft in 2000. And, and 27. And as we said, full production, we expect at around 19,000 tons a day as we ramp up uh, the underground mine, including East Goldie, which is the deepest of the four sources of ore by 2031. As we said over the last little while, we're comfortable making this production decision now based on a resource because from a cost perspective, uh, the numbers are solid. Many of the design criteria um, and the parameters that are being used in this study are very similar to Eco Eagle's existing operations uh, in the region. And when you combine 
uh, that confidence in the fact that we're dealing with live cost data and experience at Canadian Malartic, we've got good confidence in uh, the production plan and in the cost estimate. As far as the project pipeline, um, we continue to optimize the project pipeline. As we said at the start, we're in no hurry uh, to build these. Uh, we're just focused on continuing to add value to these assets through exploration and through updating studies, uh, employing innovation. Um, as we think about innovation on certain projects like Hammond Reef, we're looking at ore sorting. Um, so there's still work to do before we decide to spend capital here. Um, but we have made significant progress in the last year on these projects. At Upper Beaver, uh, the deposit continues to grow. We expect it to be at, uh, at some point uh, down the road a low-cost producer given the significant copper credit. It's in a good part of uh, the world, uh, Pearl Mining District. It's very near our operations in Quebec, uh, so we couldn't put it in a better spot. Um, and we continue, as we said, to add value through drilling, and we'll continue to drill that and update the study for roughly the end of the year uh, this year. I'll talk about Hammond Reef, then I'll talk about Hope Bay. At Hammond Reef, we've incorporated 3.3 uh, million in reserves. The overall uh, mineralized envelope is over uh, 5 million uh, ounces. Uh, so we're looking to optimize that plan and bring additional gold resources uh, into the mine plan. Um, this is sort of the first cut at it. Um, we started to revisit it about a year ago. We always liked it because the location's good, um, permitting's straightforward, uh, community support is there. Um, the challenge was it's uh, on the low grade side, uh, but we feel there's ways that we can use uh, things like ore sorting to improve the economics. So we'll continue to move it forward and add value, but again, no commitment to spend significant dollars there. At Hope Bay, the transaction closed on February the 2nd. Uh, the project hosts reserves of 3.5 million ounces and resources of 3.8 uh, million ounces. As we said, none of those numbers are in our current uh, reserve and resource statement. Uh, the property position, as many of you know, is very extensive. It's an 80-kilometer greenstone belt. It hosts three known deposits, Doris, Madrid, and Boston. Um, as we've said, the focus this year will be on exploration with a planned budget of approximately $16 million. $5 million of that will be delineation drilling and $11 million will be testing targets around uh, the three known deposits and other targets along the 80-kilometer greenstone belt. The mine currently produces about 18 to 20,000 ounces a quarter. Cash costs around 950 to 975. Uh, the mills operated three weeks on, three weeks off. Uh, we're forecasting Hope Bay to be cash flow neutral in 2021, and, and those production costs or CapEx numbers are not in any of our overall total eco uh, cost guidance. So while we focus on expanding the reserve and the resource in the property, uh, we'll also focus on optimizing uh, the existing Doris mine and then evaluate expansion scenarios. Um, we believe the project could ultimately produce 250 to 300,000 ounces, uh, but we still have to do the studies, still have to do the work. Uh, we're, we're confident that uh, there is a solid plan to move forward as we put our none of it expertise to work there. 
uh, and we do not anticipate spending any significant uh, capital, expansion capital there over the next uh, two years. In terms of the specific assets and operating results, I'll start with Laurent. Uh, it still remains after 30 plus years, our largest cash flow generator, uh, produced over 105,000 ounces at uh, cash costs uh, for 34. So con continued strong performance in Q4. It actually, uh, for the full year, achieved its original budget, despite the fact that the mine was stopped in Q2 uh, due to the impacts of COVID. Um, and it's also interesting in Q4 that 28% of Laurent's tonnage was mucked with automated scoops, and 16% of the tonnage at LZ5 uh, was mined with automated scoops. So that's the way forward at Laurent as we mine deeper. Our exploration suggests that uh, there's more uh, mine life at depth, so automation will be important, uh, not just from an efficiency and cost perspective, but also uh, from a safety perspective. Um, in Q4, the, that uh, performance was really driven by more tons uh, being mined in the West Mine area at higher grades than we anticipated. So the deposit continues to grow, as we said, we're adding reserves, we're still adding quality ounces, we're still adding uh, significant tons to the mine plan. Uh, we'll talk about the exploration uh, shortly. At Goldex, record quarterly production. Uh, about 40,000 ounces at cash cost below $600 per ounce. We averaged in excess of 8,000 uh, tons a day. That's record daily tonnage since we restarted the mine back in 2013. So the teams have done uh, an excellent uh, job there. And what's really helped them to achieve uh, over 8,000 tons a day is uh, some tremendous performance coming out of the underground railway system, uh, which was something that our team looked at a few years ago, invested the capital to put in, and, and that's just been a really important addition to the efficiency of that mine. When you think about it, we're mining around 1.5 grams per tonne, and it's still an extremely profitable mine. A Canadian Malarctic, uh, best ever full year safety performance uh, in Q4. We continue to sort of tweak up uh, the throughput in the plant, uh, setting another quarterly record at over 62,000 uh, tons uh, per day. When you add up the Abitibi, uh, those three assets in Q4 produced over 230,000 ounces at a cash cost of approximately $540 an ounce. So those three mines are still very much an important part of our business, but more importantly, important cash flow generators, particularly as we look at opportunities to extend Laurent uh, mine life with our exploration success at depth and also extend the Goldex mine life because we're also getting good drill results in, uh, in the Goldex as we look at uh, the deep two zone. Um, and then with the addition of the Canadian Malarctic Underground, uh, that's going to be an important part of our business for a number of years. At Kitsila, uh, as we said, record ore production uh, in the, in, uh, the year. Uh, leads to record gold output in 2020. So we're finally, after many years, getting um, uh, into a, a rhythm, let's say, where uh, we're able to better match uh, this, uh, the large size of the ore body with the production rate uh, going to 2 million tons per year. But there's more work to do because that deposit continues to grow. So we could see it with additional ore sources that are being suggested by the recent drilling that we can take that up another 20 to 25 percent 
Um, again, not in a hurry to do that. It's going to take us two to three years to do the work on that, think about that. Um, but it still has upside and the deposit uh, continues uh, to grow. That Meadowbank Amber, steady improvement. We've seen quarter after quarter there, uh, record open pit production in the quarter at 3.8 million uh, tons mined uh, per month. Uh, so they've done a good job with the maintenance and availability of equipment and steadily improving that operation over time. And with the addition of the higher grade underground ore, that will become a much more significant producer of ours. We still need work on the cost. The costs are higher uh, based on strip ratios uh, as we move uh, into the next couple of years. We'll come down as we get to 12,000 tons a day uh, with more high grade um, as we move into 2024. Uh, but we still need to do some more work on the cost side. At Melidine, record quarterly safety performance, another strong quarter, uh, another strong operating and production quarter, 90,000 ounces at approximately $650 an ounce cash cost, but a good, very good operating margin quarter and cash generating quarter at $108 million uh, in the quarter. So that's our second biggest contributor uh, next to Laurent. Uh, even more than Canadian Malarctic. So again, uh, we're going to continue to expand that to also an important part of our business going forward. Uh, and Mexico, uh, steady operations and good cash generation continuing from our Mexican operations. Uh, just quickly touching on the, on the financial highlights. Um, I think what struck me being here for 36 years as record cash provided by operating activities of over uh, $1.2 billion. Um, 20 years ago, late 90s, our revenue was only $50 million. Um, so it's a testament to our strategy of adding uh, small pieces and turning them into meaningful parts of our business and doing it while keeping our share count down so we can uh, generate per share returns uh, to our shareholders. That strong cash generation uh, improves our financial flexibility, uh, strengthens our investment grade credit rating where we added booties to our list of uh, credit rating agencies. Our cash position grew uh, 400 million at the end of uh, December. Again, low share count after 60 plus years uh, in the business and a debt maturity schedule that's extremely manageable as we look forward. Dividends are still an important part of our story. We've paid them uh, for 38 years. Um, given our production growth, given how we see the ability to extend some of our major mines, given the recent projects that uh, we've just announced approval on, which uh, when you look at Amherst Underground, very long life, um, we expect to be in a position to continue to increase our dividends uh, as we move forward and grow the output in this business. So I'll just quickly summarize and then uh, we'll open it up uh, for questions. So, um, essentially, a strong close to 2020, which we anticipated. We expected, uh, you know, based on coming through the challenges of Q2, uh, we did do a lot of important work in that quarter to position the assets for the strong second half that we did deliver. Uh, so that was not only important for the cash generation, uh, but also important to set us up for continued growth going forward over the next uh, four years, as well as positioning projects uh, beyond 2024 to continue to grow and continue to add value. Uh, no change in our appetite for geopolitical risk, uh, comfortable sort of where we are. Uh, we continue to be focused on uh, not just 
to do the right thing on ESG, but to be a leader in ESG. Uh, we haven't really talked much about how the how much contribution we made to our communities um, uh, during COVID, uh, but that's certainly being recognized by federal governments uh, in the countries we operate in. Um, I'll just sort of close off on on exploration because it has um, our success there has is really uh, forced us to rethink sort of the 10 to 15 year uh, production profile versus where we were about three years ago on that. And a lot of that has to do with um, our strategy all the time is, you know, we want to know what we own. We want to know what we own as early as we can. And that's why we have a history of drilling deep holes to understand, you know, whether those deposits do continue. That's how we're here talking about Canadian Malartic Underground. There was a deep target that wasn't in the budget that we put in the budget uh, after a mine visit to say, look, our, our history at Laurent tells us that it's important to understand when you have a geological structure that's wide open, uh, how deep it goes. And so um, we're seeing that at Kitsila now. Uh, we're seeing that continuing at Laurent, uh, where we're, after 30 plus years, uh, we're producing more gold than we ever have at, uh, and generating more cash than we ever have, and we're still finding more gold. And as a result of that, we're going to invest in four exploration drifts uh, to move to the west, to go into the old Barrett ground, because that uh, same felsic package of rocks that hosts all the Laurent world-class ore bodies also exists on that land package to the west. So we're going to open it wide open uh, to see what's there. Uh, but we're also going to uh, drill to the east where we've got uh, some high-value uh, net smelter return drill holes on uh, a zinc zone, the reappearance of the 20 North zinc zone. Um, so a lot happening at Laurent, which bodes well uh, for the future of our largest cash flow generator. Uh, Kirkland Lake, uh, Upper Beaver continues to grow. Uh, so we're confident that's a mine at some point, but again, uh, we'll update our study later this year. We'll decide how we can fit it in. Uh, Pinos Altos in Mexico continue to get good drill holes at the satellite deposits and at Santa Gertrudis. So we'll work those in uh, to our production plan going forward. So essentially, from a strategic standpoint, um, we're just going to continue to focus on what's worked very well for us for many years. We're going to optimize um, and realize the full potential of our existing mines. Uh, with a distinct exploration focus because it's adding really good value for the dollars we're investing in exploration. We're going to work the project pipeline. Uh, we, we're fortunate we have a solid project pipeline. We added Hope Day. We like it long term. Uh, we think it's going to go grow well beyond uh, the current reserve and resource. We're going to work that pipeline in a steady, consistent manner. And where appropriate, we're going to add high potential projects that have excellent geological potential in parts of the world where we have good skills. We've done that since 2005 when we started buying assets like Kitsila, like Pinos Altos. So it's worked well for us in terms of creating per share value, and we're going to continue to do that. So operator, um, I'd be happy to open up the line. We've got our full team virtually here and happy to answer uh, the questions we get from the callers on the line. Certainly, ladies and gentlemen, to ask a question, please press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment for public community roster. Your first question comes from Tyler Langton with J.P. Morgan. Your line is open. 
Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, morning, I just had a question or on uh, on Amarok. I guess uh, for you know in 23, you're kind of guiding to total production at Meadowbank of like around 415,000 ounces, with around 100 uh, from the underground and then a little you know 300 or so from the open pit. And I guess you know post 2023, I think you're guiding to the underground being a little around 120,000. Just what does the open pit, I guess, look like, um, you know, in, in 24 and beyond? Does it kind of stay around 300,000 ounces, or should it should it ease a little bit? Uh, Dominic, do you want to help us with the, the split between underground and uh, open pit at uh, Meadow Bank as we go beyond 2023? Yeah, the um, uh, the Amarok underground is going to bring uh, 100, 140. Uh, thousand ounces to the to the game. That's going to bring overall middle bank uh, getting uh, that that they're going to reach over 500,000 ounces, which is going to be our biggest uh, operation uh, in those years, 2024, 2025. Great, no, that's helpful. And then uh, just I guess final question. You know, obviously free cash flow is really strong uh, in 2020. Uh, when you look. To 2021, you know, outside of I guess sort of earnings and, and capex, are there other any items like you know I guess taxes or something like that that could sort of have a an impact on the free cash flow profile uh, this year? Uh, well, cash taxes will be slightly higher than 2020 because of the 300,000 ounces of additional production, which is going to be more profitable or add to add to the total profit. So, cash taxes will be up a bit, um, but not significantly higher. Great. Thanks so much. Your next question comes from Fahad Tariq with Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my two questions. Uh, first, on Hope Bay, I, I know you mentioned over the next two years you don't expect to spend significant capex. Beyond that timeline, as you think about Hope Bay versus some of the other projects, can you just provide some color on how you're thinking about what it's competing against? Is it competing against Upper Beaver and Hammond Reef, or is there already a priority among those projects that, that's already set out even before you've done more work on Hope Bay? No, it's competing with the two you mentioned. Um, so those would be the ones that uh, we're still studying. Uh, I would say Upper Beaver has the upper hand, let's say, uh, given our familiarity, given its location. Um, Hope Bay is, uh, is a work in progress. I think what we liked about it was um, the 80-kilometer greenstone belt uh, we've had big success uh, with geological belts when we can control them 100% uh, in adding ounces, so we believe this will get bigger. Uh, but basically, uh, we have to step back on this one because everybody understands we need a new processing facility. So the question will be what and where. Um, and the where will depend on uh, the exploration results as we move forward. So there's still work to do. That's why we're not in a rush here. Um, We've already had um, our top crews up there recently. They spent a week there, our project development team, some of our senior team at Nunavut. So we've begun the process of putting uh, people from our technical service group uh, to look at various expansion scenarios. And again, uh, the whole concept with our strategy is to stage and spread these projects out over time. Um, so it's just going to require uh, us applying uh, some of our key project development teams working with our technical service group and the operating teams in those jurisdictions to optimize the project studies and compete for the capital. 
Okay, great. That, that's really clear. Um, my only other question on Kitila, I'm just trying to understand the, the shaft sinking contract issues. Um, is, is it right to, did I understand this right, that now all of that will be done in-house, or is it still being contracted but with some additional vocal personnel? I'm just trying to get a sense of what's going on there. Uh, Dominic? Yeah, we're going to continue to contract it. Uh, of course, we're looking to mitigation now to introduce more local worker uh, training lo local people, but still the shaft let's say sinking construction phase is is contracted. The challenges are really uh, with the traveling uh, uh, issue we have with our challenges we have with the COVID. So people need to be, get isolated and tested. So that brings some. Uh, challenge on having a Canadian contractor uh, going there. But uh, the team are looking for mitigations uh, to, to minimize that uh, with uh, better uh, conditions for the guys as well as uh, training more local people. Okay, got it. So that's different than the, the terminating the underground development contract. That, that's different, right? Yeah, that's different. Let's say the overall project is completed uh, at 80-90% if we're talking about the uh, the rock line and all the, the work done uh, uh, to be ready to operate the uh, the shaft. The only uh, critical path, which is the shaft sinking, uh, this is the area where we struggle and there are some delays. Uh, at the end of the day, that will not impact the production because we're able to mine it uh, uh, through the ramp. Uh, it is just uh, more cost uh, each month that we do it uh, through the ramp compared to the shaft, but that will not affect the uh, the production rate at uh, Kitila. Okay, great. That's it for me. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ralph Provini with 8 Capital. Your line is open. Uh, hi there. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, Sean, I have a question on Canadian Malartic uh, exploration, but specifically for uh, open pit ore sources uh, in the context of filling up that mill capacity, right, especially post-2026. Is now the time that this becomes more of a strategic priority? Um, I would say that the focus pro uh, uh, before that is really on um, – now, this is the first cut of the study, is just optimizing that study, um, you know, rather than looking at uh, outside additional sources of ore. Uh, so it's really an optimization effort if we can sort of reduce the dip in production uh, in those years during the initial transition from the open pit uh, to the underground. But what we won't do is rush um, the build out here. You know, this is a 17 plus year life. Uh, it doesn't need to be rushed. Uh, if there's a dip in production, there's a dip in production. That's not the end of the world. So we'll just try to manage and build uh, the most effective uh, project. But um, E, from an exploration standpoint, or Dominic, from a, a production uh, a sourcing standpoint in the pit, is there any color you can add on that? Yeah, uh, so it's Guy here. So uh, don't, we we also control a, a large uh, property over there, and over that our 20 kilometer of ground we control, we continue to investigate and reassess the potential of of other near surface ore body uh, either towards the west of the Canadian Malartic Pit with the Western Porphyry, Forex, uh, East Amphi former operation. 
so and at the same time uh, to the east of the of the Odyssey project, while well, we still control another uh, 10 kilometer uh, towards the east that we are continuing to assess. So uh, that's that's one of our uh, plan to continue to test for both shallow and uh, an extension of the East Goldie and see if we can uh, integrate them eventually in the mine plan. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah, that's good color. Uh, Sean, the, uh, the economies are starting to show some light on, on Hammond Reef, right? And we have some good first cut numbers. Um, you know, but it doesn't seem like it maybe meets the Agnico investment criteria right here with, with this study in terms of IRR. Um, first of all, do you think it could get there? And particularly with respect to the CapEx number of a billion dollars, is this something you'd be open, open up to partnering up on? Yeah, or selling it. Yeah, we're open-minded on that one. Um, what we like about it is uh, it was a throw-in in the um, – of Cisco deal in 2014, and we bought the other half for $12.5 million. <laughs> so we've had a lot more value than what we pay for it. And so the only question now is how do we realize on that value? So we're open-minded with respect to uh, Hammond Reef. Got it. Well said. Thanks very much. Your next question comes from Josh Wolfson with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Thanks. Um, a couple questions first on the capital. Uh, I know the it, it, the number that's been outlined is really just indicative of that 750 to 800. Um, you know, we have some details in the release on in Maruk Underground and Malartic, but you know, the the indicative guidance I guess implies roughly 400 million dollars on the project side. Uh, and sorry, I have a, a greyhound crying next to me. And um, <laughs> and then. You know, I guess I just want to fill the gap in terms of what, uh, where the rest of that could come from, uh, as the release has said, you know, said there was no hope in there either. Well, we've uh, uh, just put uh, sort of a hold on things because we expect at some point we'll advance Upper Beaver. So uh, all that is is sort of a bookmark to allow us to move those projects forward that are in the pipeline in a very steady and staged manner. Okay, so okay, uh, I, I'll I'll follow maybe uh, uh, directly. Um, my, my other question is uh, for Laurent. Uh, you know, the guidance for the year looks somewhat lighter versus what the, the operation has already been doing the last couple of quarters. Is that just uh, conservatism that's been incorporated, or is there a change in, in sequencing? Not really a change. Uh, I think it's just being uh, generally conservative there. We did have an upgrade in uh, the West Mine area in Q4, uh, so we don't have that all factored in. Okay, thank you very much. Your next question comes from Jackie Krzbelowski with BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Thanks very much. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I, I guess a, a couple questions. I'll, I'll start with HUD, uh, Hope Bay. Um, you know, it, it looks like you're, you're planning to run it through this year um, and and work on the um, the longer term expansion option. Is is the plan still to uh, to sort of take a step back, close the operation down for an extended period of time? Like, should we expect that sort of announcement for 2022? 
Um, and I guess maybe if you could give us just a little bit of a, a, a guideline as to how long you think that um, exploration studies, all that stuff might take and, and when we might see it come back into your production profile. Yeah, it's still too early to uh, yeah. sort of make a decision on, you know, do we put it on care and maintenance? As we said, it's not leading money, uh, I think, which is important. So we can continue to run it, optimize it, uh, drill it, and complete the studies. We'll have a, um, a much better idea uh, this time next year after um, doing all the study work uh, through 2021 while we continue with the drill program. Um, as to what it looks beyond uh, 2022, uh, that's still to be determined uh, based on the results of the drill program and the study. Okay, got it. So we'll um, we'll we'll wait and see, and hopefully next next February we'll have a bit of a clearer picture. That sounds great. Um, yep. A similar question, maybe on the Malarctic Underground. Uh, you know, we've been waiting for this uh, study, and, and I think the, the detail you give us was really helpful and, and looks looks quite positive. Uh, where, where's the next um, next information flow, or where, where's the next sort of data point that we should be watching for from here? It, it kind of feels like we're going to be in a period of drilling, uh, ramp development, that kind of thing. Is there, is there more news flow that you're expecting to release to the market in 2021? Well, I would expect, as you said, Jackie, it's uh, more exploration detail. Uh, as we said, we have the, the combined partnership budget. There's $30 million uh, with 24 of that on East Goldie, which is wide open. So we would expect the news flow to be uh, on those exploration results on East Goldie and as we drill the structure um, along the trend. And uh, we'll continue to always optimize and, and, and revisit the study and look for ways to improve and look for ways that maybe we can uh, minimize the production dip during that transition from the open pit to the underground. Um, but there's no timeline for information flow on that. So, uh, But there will be on exploration because of the size of the budget and the fact that there's 11 drills uh, going on the site. Got it. Uh, thanks very much. Um, one final question. I know um, 2020 was a, was a challenging year for, for your operations for, for COVID. Uh, certainly we're not out of the woods yet. It sounds like there's still some lingering effects in terms of travel restrictions and things. Um, how, how I, I guess mostly related to your more remote operations and none of it, how, how are you coping at the moment with COVID? Are, are you starting to think about bringing the, the local workforce back? Um, is, is there uh, an increased risk of, of uh, COVID up there at this point, or are things getting better? Can you maybe just give us a broad update in terms of the operations? Yeah, the vaccine's there now in none of it, I think, which is important. Great. So that's, uh, that bodes well, and that will be sort of a key uh, part of the decision on bringing uh, the workforce back. So we've been very patient on that because of the uh, because of the risks to the community, as we said from the start, uh, that we wanted to make sure that uh, you know Nico Eagle wasn't causing uh, or bringing virus uh, up up to Nunavut. So, yeah, um, sure. uh, but I, I should say in Canada we've got five testing labs going now. Um, so. We started testing early. We've continued to expand our testing uh, capabilities, and we're using that uh, to help us manage uh, sort of COVID now. Okay, that's perfect. I'll, I'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Sean. Okay.
Your next question comes from Greg Barnes with TD Securities. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks, Sean. I just want to get a clear picture of Amaruk and the Meadowbank complex. Costs will remain high for the next couple of years. They'll come down as the underground comes on. The underground, I think, mines out in 2026. Just what happens near term, medium term, and longer term at Amaruk, both production and cost? Yeah, I think from a production standpoint, um, it's still a relatively short life mine compared to our other mines, and that's why the focus is on uh, exploration in and around uh, Meadowbank and Amaru looking for preferably additional open pit material because that would extend uh, the, the uh, underground uh, with our ability to uh, mix. But maybe Dominic on the cost side, you can give us some sense of sort of strip ratios and the impact of, of that uh, on costs over the remaining mine life. Yeah, we, we're going to see some fluctuation on the costs, uh, and it's a lot dri driven by the uh, uh, stripping ratio and the grade uh, through the sequence. Uh, 2021 strip ratio is going to be more around 7-ish, uh, better than 2020, where we were more around 11. So that's going to be helpful. Uh, what, what the impact is when strip ratio is lower, you're building stockpile, uh, that's helped. And when stripping ratio is, is higher, then you need to consume stockpile. Uh, so that's impacting the, 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 the cost. But overall, the Amaro underground is, gonna bring, is bringing a positive impact. It is higher grade uh, material, and it's, all the fixed costs are already paid. So that's, that's gonna improve uh, uh, the costs uh, at the site, and also, We've, uh, we've launched a, a new optimization, let's say we've called it the strategic optimization at, uh, at the site, uh, where the, uh, they've beefed, beefed up the team uh, to, to look at a different uh, way to improve it, uh, mainly on the contractor side, the rental side, on the logistic uh, inventory. Um, they've been through a, the Nunavut, both divisions have been through an expansion phase. Now uh, in last year, it, now they're doing their units, uh, so that's the first step. Now, as uh, this is more stable, we're really uh, transferring to an optimization site, and I think there is uh, uh, there is room to improve there. Uh, we're going to see. We just need to let the, the, the team uh, some room uh, to to optimize their their operation. So we have a big bump in production in 24-25, and then 26 after that is. Amaru finished after 2026 at this point? Yeah, at this point, we go up to 2026. Uh, we, uh, as Sean mentioned, we still have uh, uh, good resources underground, uh, under the permafrost, uh, because we keep the mining uh, in the permafrost for the it's Amaru phase one, Amaru underground phase one. Uh, exploration, and maybe Guy, Guy could give, give a flavor on that, but exploration are still uh, ongoing. Uh, the best dream will be to find uh, another pit uh, that we could we have all the infrastructure to manage that and uh, to continue to mine uh, with the higher grade on coming from underground but up to now the this is this is what we have uh, the resources reserve at uh, Amarok. okay okay and just secondarily on on upper beaver Sean it does sound like that's leaked up the queue um, effectively, it looks like it's going to be the next operation after the Malarctic Underground. It, it, timing on studies or any kind of decision on that one? Oh, well, it'll be later this year when we get the study. So 
um, decision would be sort of maybe this time next year, depending on the results of the study. Okay. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Carrie McRory with Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, Sean, as you mentioned, you said the PA resource is about half of the total resource outlined there. Is that more of a function of drill spacing or the economics um, on some other people or potentially? Uh, you're referring to Canadian Malartic Underground? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, the the bulk of it's East Goldie, and so the the balance of it would be East Malartic and Odyssey North and South, which are lower grade. So we fully expect that as we optimize the plan that we'll be able to add some additional ounces to it. Um, and also we would expect East Goldie to continue to grow. So uh, as we said, this is um, the results of the uh, so the first study, let's say, and uh, which remains to be optimized as we look at adding additional resources uh, to the mine plan. And then maybe just again on extending the open pit, I know you're Reserves are at 1250, but you know, three years down the road, if we're in a $2,000 price environment, is there a bigger pitch shell potentially at the open pit, or is it sort of not that sensitive to the gold price? At Malartic? Yes. Yeah. I don't think there's much room um, to expand the open pit. The future there will be uh, the underground. And so, uh, certainly, a higher gold price bodes well for some of the lower grade material. Uh, in the old East Malartic area. Uh, so we'll certainly be looking at that as we continue to drill it and as we continue through the construction phase. Uh, the underground infrastructure, I think, will be important. Uh, that's what was really um, uh, something that uh, turned Laurent from a small mine into a large mine is the underground uh, ramp and shaft gave us access to drill the deposit. So I think we'll probably see in this instance getting better access to drill um, uh, it gives us the potential to, you know, add more resources and do more effective conversion of the resource to reserve. Some of that resource is only drilled at 150 meter spacings. Um, so, uh, as you said in your question, part of why it's not in the plan is we still need to do some more drilling and tighten up the spacing. And then maybe just one more for me. What what do the processing costs look like at you know, when you're running at 19,000 tons a day versus today at you know, 55 or 57,000 tons and G&A per ton. Can you get some color on the unit costs? Uh, Dominic, do we have uh, the breakdown? I don't have the breakdown in front of me on processing costs per ton when we're at full production at 19,000 tons a day. Uh, no, we've we've given the the cash costs, uh, but I don't have no, I don't have the detail. We could come back. We'll on get that. that. Yeah, we'll get that for you. Okay, great. Your next question comes from John Tumuzzles with Very Independent Research. Your line is open. Thank you very much for taking my question. Uh, concerning Hope Bay, uh, is the original Gecko Mill up to Agnico standards? I know they're not as they weren't as well financed as your team. And how much of the issue with the plant is? the 80-kilometer trend and figuring out where the center of gravity is? Yeah, no, the mill is not up to our standards, uh, not even close, um, but we knew that sort of going in. Um, so it does need a new plant, and the question is, 
largely location now based on uh, the size of the geological belt and the uh, distance between the deposits. Um, and that's what we're really trying to uh, nail down over the next year or so as we continue to sort of look at it and, um, and assess it. If I could ask a second one, and I'm sorry to ask a big company question. Um, the southern business in Mexico is the other businesses north grow is getting close to 10% of the prospective mix. Is it worth keeping because of the value of uh, the heap leach, low capital cost, simpler mining, and the exposure to the uh, Sonora, Sierra Madre, Southern belts, as well as Latin America, and heap leaching in the southwestern U.S.? Or is it getting to be too long of a plane flight and uh, uh, would the company be better have less admin and be tighter if it was just the northern business um, well that's a that's a good question we ask ourselves those questions all the time um, the our best asset there is our people and their ability to do business uh, in that country um, so we think it's worth keeping based on that skill set and based on its proximity, as you said, to those geological belts. Um, and so um, we'd like to have something else for them to build. Uh, we still believe Santa Gertrudis is a buildable project. Again, when? Uh, we don't know. Um, so right now we're, um, we're just mining satellite deposits and developing satellite deposits to uh, generate cash, and we've got uh, decent exploration budgets going. Uh, but we still like Mexico as a place to do business. It's still a pro-mining country, but despite what you may see or read um, in the news, uh, we haven't had any issues uh, that sort of change our view on wanting to invest in Mexico. Uh, it's competitive. Um, there's no doubt about it, but uh, we think we have a competitive advantage just based on the skill set there. So it's still important for us, but it clearly needs a pipeline that um, that it doesn't have, that the northern business does have. And from a management perspective, it's not difficult to manage because it's almost self-managing. The leadership team there uh, has done an exceptional job, and it's not something that eats up a lot of senior management time. Thank you. Congratulations. Paul Penn is up in heaven doing a backflip, Sean. Okay. Great job. Thank you. Thank you, John. Your next question comes from Anita Sony with CIBC World Markets. Your line is open. Hey, guys. Uh, good morning. Um, so just a, a few questions. Um, so firstly, just as I understand it, if we're going to model the 750 to 800 CapEx for the next three years, we should probably also be modeling potentially Upper Beaver, like that includes the capital for that, or some of the capital, obviously. Yeah. Um, yes, but we don't have that defined. All we're really saying is, is that um, okay. this is also for internal discussion for our teams is, look, this is the envelope we're prepared to spend. Um, yeah. You do the analysis on the projects and we'll decide whether it meets the investment criteria and whether it meets the risk profile uh, to invest in it. So all we're saying is we've left room in the event that we have a positive production decision for something like Upper Beaver. Yeah, and then also just a sort of financial question. 
just to confirm, that does include your capitalized stripping number, right, as well? Sorry, capitalized exploration. I keep doing that. So yes. capitalized exploration. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. And then um, the second question, LaRonde grade. So I noticed, you know, when I did my sort of reserve analysis and depletion that you actually added um, even higher grades again, and overall the mineral inventory went up at higher grades. So can you talk about exactly where you found that exploration success uh, at LaRonde? Yeah. Uh, Guy? Yep. Uh, can you help us with that? Yep. So basically, uh, as we discussed over the last uh, couple of quarters, you know, with the high grading effect we were we were seeing of the Laurent, of the Laurent mine. So we've been investigating on our reconciliation and uh, basically found out that we were a bit too conservative. We're uh, applying, you know, too low uh, capping uh, limit to the high grade assays we were getting in the deposits. So we've basically loosened a bit our our capping, and and even still, I think uh, we've been re running a couple of assumptions, and even with that higher assays capping uh, approach, uh, we still cannot uh, reconcile. You know, we're getting more gold than what our predictive model. So we've we've taken a little bit of that, plus uh, with the success we're having at uh, LZ5, we've been extending the uh, resources uh, beneath the previous the, uh, the the previous limit that was around 400 meter we've extended the limit now to close to 700 meter below surface at LZ5 due to the success so it came from uh, the uh, those those two modifications at Laurent that we've more than replaced what we've mined this year and that you've seen an increase of the grade for the Laurent portion okay and then so that leads me to a little bit on the byproducts um, have you you know, use the same kind of parameters on the on the byproducts. I mean, I, I noticed you guys are always tend to do a little bit better than what you say at the beginning of the year for your byproducts, and I'm wondering if it's suffering the same kind of capping. Nope, no change to the no. byproduct estimation. Uh, neither uh, any of them. The only change was on the goal. Okay, so okay, all right. So um, and then just in terms of the uh, Canadian malarctic royalty. So. Um, Understanding that your partner reports their uh, total or their unit cost a little differently, um, so that 5.5% royalty that should be on just the the you know Canadian Arctic under or the Odyssey project underground material, right? And then if we were to you know just look at the uh, Barnett uh, and uh, Canadian Arctic pit, we would kind of take the cost that you guided to on a unit cost basis for that material, but not have to include a royalty. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not sure. I I'm not sure I I follow that. The royalties in the cash costs on all um, the current production and will be on the underground uh, production as yeah. well. I guess what I'm asking is, I thought my my understanding was that you know the way you guys report your unit costs, you already include the royalty within the unit cost. Yes. Um, for for the open pit, but here in the underground, you split out the royalty because Umana doesn't actually do it the same way as you guys do. Uh, Brian, I don't know if Brian can uh, help us with that. Is he... It's okay. We can take it offline. If yeah. You know, but, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, that's it for my questions. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks. Your next question comes from Matthew Murphy with Barclays. Your line is open. Hi. Um, had a question on costs. And, um, I mean, your AISC you're going to be in the high 900s. I guess, you know, last year, this time, <clears throat> it sounded like they were going to come down near term. Now it's sounding like they'll be 
flattish. So I guess it's two parts to the question. Uh, number one, what has changed that's that's keeping that elevated? And number two, you know, if we look beyond 2024, all else equal, do you have kind of a range you want to get to on AISC? Yeah, uh, it's really a largely Amarook. Amarook has two high-cost years, 22 and 23, um, and then it goes lower. So that's what sort of drove uh, the all-in because the cash costs go up there, uh, drives the all-in sustaining costs up uh, as well, uh, and they come down after that. And do you have a level that you can talk about for 2025, 2026? No. No? No, we're not guiding that far out. Okay. And um, I guess maybe as a related question, has the experience at Amarook changed the way you think about satellite opportunities in and of it? Um, no, I think that's a function of um, sort of longevity of that asset. It doesn't have the longevity that Meliadine uh, has. Uh, so we are fortunate with the exploration success at, uh, at Amarook to provide higher grade underground ore. Uh, so it's really volumes that work well there and, and volumes in terms of tonnage that, uh, that work well. Um, trucking does add costs, um, and that certainly our trucking costs are a bit higher based on sort of availability and reliability of equipment. Uh, but it's really grade that's driven the unit cost. The grade's been a bit lower uh, than what we expected it to be. Okay, thanks, Sean. Your last question comes from Tanya Jackie-Plinick with Scotiabank. Your line is open. Great. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I just wanted to circle back to Amarook. Um, I know, Dominic, we talked about um, the mine going till 2026, and there is underground uh, uh, potential further there. But my understanding is that you just can't run the underground without having open pit. So maybe, Guy, uh, uh, number one, is that correct? Like 2,000 tons a day from the underground is not going to support that complex. Yeah, that's yep. correct. Yeah. Maybe, Guy, can you talk about the exploration focus for open pit material on this uh, property? Yep. Uh, that, that's something we are pursuing year over year, uh, investigating, uh, especially ar along the infrastructure, either the the road that connects uh, Baker Lake to to Meadowbank or from Meadowbank to Amarok, and uh, we basically continue uh, an old target identification and target testing, and uh, you know year after year we're generating good targets. Unfortunately, we're not making discovery of uh, something like Amarok every year, but it's not a lack of effort, and the uh, the emphasis remains there. At, uh, at generating new targets, testing them, and we'll provide an update as soon as we hit something. Um, and what's the, the, the budget, sorry, for this year? Uh, generally speaking, in, uh, we are uh, allocating 20 to 30,000 meter for uh, regional exploration, uh, uh, both for Meliadine and Amarok. And then in terms of allocation, you know, it depends how things will unravel. So, uh, so, but you can assume that uh, something like uh, 20,000 meter uh, regional, it's detailed in the, in the news release, but uh, uh, 20,000 meter are generating new, uh, new target uh, around Meadowbank and Maroc. Okay. Um, maybe maybe the, um, for Sean or, or Dominic, maybe just a bigger picture. 
like you know what if we don't end up finding anything here can um your infrastructure uh, some of your infrastructure some of your equipment people be used at um hope a uh, potentially yes potentially okay so so the mill could maybe could be movable and trucks and et cetera uh you know, we'd have to look at the specifics of that, but certainly um, when you look at Hope Bay at uh, reserves of three and a half million ounces, resources of over three and a half million ounces, still wide open. So, you know, it's likely going to be seven to 10 million ounces or so. Um, we bought it because of its location and its geological upside and our skill sets to operate in that area. Uh, so if we can leverage off of the existing infrastructure because uh, the, the mine life doesn't exist at Amaroop, we'll certainly be looking to do that. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, hopefully you find more at Amaroop. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Now I'd like to take the call back over to Sean Boyd for closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for the questions. And if there's any other uh, follow-up information you require, uh, uh, please get, get in touch. We'll be happy to help. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.